0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message.
1: Well, I didn't tell all of them. I don't know where, don't know where he got Gigantor from, but... <laughs> I guess a big word for a big tall guy, I reckon, huh? Uh, no, it's certainly good to have good friends. Uh, thank you, brother, uh, for leading uh, this morning. Turn with me to the book of Joshua. Joshua, we've got two messages left as we uh, move through the book of Joshua. And if you remember the series title, it is this, Strong and Courageous Living in a dangerous Dangerous World. Uh, I'm sure that the people of Israel uh, were thankful for the faithfulness of God. They were thankful for the promises of God. They were thankful for all those things that we've sung about uh, this morning, being Joshua chapter 23 uh, this morning. And they were thankful. Uh, and as we begin chapter 23 and chapter 24, which we'll look at next week, uh, Joshua is beginning to move away from the leadership position. Uh, And so we begin to see in chapter 23, Joshua's farewell speech, which is our title this morning, as he's passing uh, the torch. Uh, Joshua is beginning to pass uh, the torch. So Joshua chapter 23, if you found that passage, we're going to read all 16 uh, verses this morning. Please stand as we honor the reading of God's holy word uh, this morning. So the Bible says this a long time afterward. When the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies and Joshua was old and well advanced in years. Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges, its officers and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. Where is the Lord your God who has fought for you? Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west, the Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land, just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, Or make mention of their names, of the names of their gods. Or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you shall recling to the Lord your God, just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand. Since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised. Verse 11, be Very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that they associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. Verse 14, and now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All has come to pass for you, not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. Father, we come to you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this opportunity, God, as we continue in worship. Father, I pray that your power work in and through me, God. I pray that your anointing work in and through me, Lord. And again, I pray that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth are pleasing and honorable to you. Father, I pray that hearts are open and hearts are transformed this morning. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You May be seated. It was January the 11th of 1989. Then outgoing president Ronald Reagan... Stood before the American people and he delivered what would be his final speech. His farewell speech, if you would. Reagan was passing the torch. Now, I'm not going to give you the entirety of that speech this morning verbatim, but I do want to share some highlights of that speech. Speaking to the American people, Reagan said this. We must keep up our guard. But we must also continue to work together to lessen and eliminate tension and mistrust. My view is that President Gorbachev is different from previous Soviet leaders. I think he knows some of the things wrong with this society and is trying to fix them. We wish them well, he said. And we'll continue to work to make sure that that Soviet Union that eventually emerges from this process is a less threatening one. With it all, What it all boils down to is this, Reagan said. We must continue this new closeness. And it will, as long as we make it clear, that we will continue to act in a certain way. Pull your punches. Act in a helpful manner. If and when they don't, at first pull, the, pull your punches. If they persist, he said, pull the plug. It's still trust, but verify. It's still play, but cut the cards. It's still watch closely and don't be afraid to see what you see. So Reagan charged the American people, we must keep up our guard. We must continue to work together. We must continue this new closeness. But he goes on to say this. Finally, there is a great tradition of warnings in presidential farewells. And I've got one that has been on my mind for some time. He said, we've got to teach history based not on what's in fashion, but what's important. Why the pilgrims came here. Who Johnny uh, Jimmy Doolittle was. And what those 30 seconds over Tokyo meant. I'm warning of an eradication of the American memory that could result ultimately in erosion of the American spirit. Reagan said. So let's start with some basics. More attention to American history and a greater emphasis on civil ritual. Reagan was passing the torch. And he took advantage of his platform as the outgoing president of the United States to charge the American people, to give them the charge to, to move forward and to move on, to keep up the good work, continue to work together, but he also warned them. He also warned them. He gave them a warning. He gave us a warning, those of us who were alive at nineteen eighty nine. He gave us a warning. And that warning said, listen, if we don't continue with the American history, if we don't continue with this American spirit, there will be an erosion of that American spirit. Now Joshua was not president of the United States. He wasn't an outgoing president. But we see a similar situation here with Joshua. Joshua has led the people of Israel into the promised land. For the last 10 to 15 years, Joshua and the people have conquered the land. God had given the land to the people. It wasn't the people. The people were just going in and doing what God had commanded them to do. And God had given them the land. He had lived a faithful life, Joshua had. But his mission here for God was done. God was done with Joshua as leader. And so Joshua was giving his farewell speech to the people of Israel. It was time for him to turn things over to the others. Those that will lead the next generation of Israelites into whatever they were going to be moved into. Yet before Joshua leaves his post, two charges, gives this final farewell. And in this final farewell, Joshua gives the people two charges. We'll look at those in one warning. So the point this morning is this, church. Joshua charged the people to remain obedient to God. And to avoid ungodly associations with the pagan world around them. And so for us, how does that apply to us? What applies to us this way? We too have been called to remain obedient, obedient to the commands of God and to avoid any ungodly associations with a pagan world around us. And so this morning, again, we're going to see two things in Joshua's farewell speech. This was written many, many years ago, but they're still applicable to us today. So first of all, let's look at Joshua's farewell charge to the people. Look at verses 1 through 5 with me. A long time afterward, the Bible says, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well-advanced in years, Joshua summoned all the leaders, all Israel, its elders, its heads, and judges, officers, and said to them, I'm now old and well-advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for the tribes, those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord, your God, will push them back before you and drive them out of your side. And you shall possess their land just as the Lord, your God, has promised you. These first five verses here is reminiscent of the opening episode of the book. When Moses has died and Joshua takes over leadership of the Israelites. God told him basically the very same things. He charged Joshua, but he also gave Joshua some warnings. If you go back, we're not going to go back and read that, but I encourage you to go back and read the first chapter of the book of Joshua. Very similar to the charge that Joshua was given and the warnings that Joshua was also given. Joshua, he gathers the leaders of Israel together. That wouldn't have been prudent for Joshua to gather the whole nation. So he gathers those leaders together. It'd be like me gathering the deacons together. Giving the deacons this charge and these warnings. And the deacons going out and handling the rest of the church. But Joshua gathers the people together. But notice what Joshua does in these first five verses. He goes right back to the faithfulness of God. It was God that fought for the people. The people were just the benefactors of what God had done. And he reminds them of that. He reminds them of the faithfulness of God. And it's not not a coincidence that... As we walk through this passage, Joshua is continually doing that. And if you remember the book of Joshua, it's over and over and over and over again. We talk about the faithfulness of God and we talk about the promises of God in the lives of the people of Israel. But listen, church, that's for us as well. The promises and the faithfulness of God don't stop with the Israelites. They stop with all the children of God. And so we've got to rest in that. But Joshua goes back and he reminds uh, the people of all these things. What, what God had, had done. And he said, God will remain faithful. So Joshua was charged to the leaders is twofold. I want us to see two things out of this passage this morning. Joshua's farewell charge. The first charge I want you to notice is in verse 6. Therefore, be very strong. To keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. Joshua charged the people there to wholehearted obedience to God. Wholehearted obedience to God. That therefore, therefore, reverts back to what Joshua has told the people in verses 1 through 5. Because of the faithfulness of God, because of the promises of God, Listen, therefore, this is what you need to do. He says you need to be very strong, very strong. And again, if you've been following along, you might say to yourself, this sounds very familiar. And it would sound very familiar because it is a common theme through the book of Joshua. Excuse me, Joshua, you go back to chapter 1 and you see it. You go back to chapter 1 and you read it over and over and over again. Chapter 1, verse 6 talks about the strong and courageous. Chapter 1, verse 7 talks about obedience to the law. Chapter 1, verse 8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Do all that is written in it. Chapter 9, the book ends, actually, verse 6. It says, Be strong and courageous. Joshua was telling the people, Listen, you need to be very strong. The book of the law there was just the Torah there, it was the instructions of God given to Moses. For Moses to give to the people of God. It was God's words. It was the first five books of the New, of the Old Testament. But notice what Joshua says, and we need to be very careful when we read this. Be very strong to keep. And to what? Do all. They were to keep. That means pay close attention. They were to observe the law, Joshua said. He said, but that's not just it. And do and do all of it. So they were to be hearers of the word. And what? And doers of the word. It does us no good when we hear the words of God. It does us no good when we worship. And we sit in, in, in service after service after service. And hear the word of God being preached and spoken and taught. And yet we do nothing with it, church. It does us no good. We're like that man that's looking in the mirror and he goes away and he, 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 he forgets what he saw. So Joshua says, listen, you've got to keep the Word of God. You've got to be completely obedient to the Word of God and then you've got to do what you have paid attention to. It takes strength and courage to be wholeheartedly obedient to the Word of God. When you look at our culture Around us, when you look at our cultural situation and what you and I live in in our culture, it is going to take strength. And it's going to take courage for us to stand up for the word of God. It's going to take strength and courage. And Joshua knew that all these years ago. He knew it was going to take strength for the Israelites to stand up for the word of God. And it's the same thing for us. But it's so vital. Psalm 119 105. Y'all know this passage. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is our is our is our compass, if you will. God's word is that little light that, that shines on our path and directs us where to go. Matthew chapter seven, verses thirteen to fourteen, Jesus said this: Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. It's going to take strength and courage. Why? Because the way is narrow. It's difficult. It's hard. To follow the will of God and to follow the ways of God. That's why Joshua says, listen, don't turn from it from the right hand or to the left. Because the eternal reward, church, the eternal reward is for those of us who find it. Those of us who walk that narrow path. Those of us who don't turn from the left or to the right. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 1 says this. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep His charge, His statutes, and His commandments always. So we've got to wholeheartedly commit to the Word of God. God demands that. God demands it not only does he demand it but he expects wholehearted obedience from those who are called by his name. If you've been called by the name of God this morning, if you have, he demands and expects wholehearted obedience from you. The second part of that charge is Joshua charged the people to remain holy. To remain holy. Look at verse 7. It says that you may not mix with those nations remaining. He said you need to keep the law, you need to follow the law so that you don't mix with the nations. Remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. Leviticus chapter 19 verses 19 and 20 say this. The Bible records the words of God. He says, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy. Why? For I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Those of us who have been called by the name of God are to be holy like our God is holy. 1 Peter 1.16 has very similar words. He says, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Holy means sanctified. It means consecrated. It means set apart. They were to be wholeheartedly obedient to the word of God. Because if they would not be wholehearted obedient to the word of God, they would begin to mix with those nations that they were surrounded by. They would begin to mix with the culture that we're surrounded by. The culture that we're surrounded by at work. The culture that we're surrounded by at play. The culture that we're surrounded by when we go to the grocery store. Joshua says, listen, if you're not wholeheartedly obedient to God, you're going to begin to mix with the pagan world around them. I want you to note the progression. That Joshua uses here. He says, or make mention of the names of their gods. They were not to mix. They were not to associate. They weren't even to make mention. That means to call upon uh, the name of, of another god. That the, To call upon that name would be for, uh, forbidden. They were not to say their name. You know, we live in a society where they say their name, say their name. Listen, they weren't even supposed to say the names of their, those gods. But he goes on, he says, because if you begin to say their names, if you begin to make mention of their names, then you'll, then you'll begin to swear by them. That means you'll begin to take an oath. You'll begin to take an oath. You notice the progression? And if you swear by them, then you'll begin to serve them. That means to work for them. To be obedient to those pagan gods instead of the one true God. They said, if you begin to serve them, then you're going to begin to bow down to them. That means to bow down prostrate before. This is to lay stretched out on the ground with one's face downward. That means total submission. That means total reverence. So don't make mention of them, Joshua says, because if you do, you're going to swear by them. And when you swear by them, you're going to serve them. And when you serve them, you're going to bow down to them. And you know what? At that point, church, it's too late. You found yourself caught up in a world around them. And Joshua knew this. God had already forbidden this. We're we're we're, uh, We're in the world. We're not of the world we're not to conform to the world, but what? Be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Why did God say that? Why was Paul so adamant about that? Because he knew the power of the pagan world. He knew the power of our culture. He knew the power of, of government and all the other things that's going on in our world that's trying to, to transform our minds and conform our mind. Conform means to be pressed. It means to be pressed like a vice. Go on in verse 8, he says, But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done this day, for the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. Again, he's talking about what God had done for the people. As for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God, again, who fights for you just as he promised. Be very careful then, therefore, to love the Lord your God. They could avoid mixing with the people, mixing with the nations, associating with the nations by clinging to the Lord, their God. Clinging means means to to keep close, to cleave to. Joshua mentions that they're to cling to the Lord, their God. And and, and in this verse, in this section of verses, look at verse 12, he talks about clinging to the world around them. So you're either going to cling to God or you're going to cling to the world around them. I've told you before, there is no in-between. We can't cling to God today and say, you know what, I'm going to cling to God today, but tomorrow I'm going to cling to the world. You cannot do that. We can't. The Bible calls that being double-minded. We're not going to be, we can't do that. That word cling there. Think about a balloon. Think about a balloon and you take that balloon and you rub it on the carpet. A lot of static is developed on that balloon, right? You put it up to somebody's hair, what happens? The hair clings to the balloon. That's how we're supposed to cling to God, like static electricity in a balloon. Clean to Him, and don't let go of God, because when you take the balloon away, what happens? The hair falls right down. So we're to cling to God, but also to love the Lord your God as well. So we're to cling to God. That's how they're to avoid, but it goes right back to that wholehearted obedience. And we're to love the Lord as well. Because it gives us the results of being an unholy people. And the results of, of clinging to those uh, nations that were surrounding the people of Israel. Verse 12, he says, if you turn back and cling to the remnant. If you cling to the remnant like that, that hair clings to that static balloon. And make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you. Verse 13, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive these nations out before you. But they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes, until you perish off of this good land that the Lord your God has given you. God has already prohibited they're not to intermarry with the Pagan nations that were around him. You see that in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 3 through 4. They were not to intermarry with those pagan nations around them. Because God knew. God knew that if they did. They would begin to make mention of those pagan gods. And if they began to make mention of those pagan gods. Then they would begin to swear by those pagan gods and if they began to swear by those pagans gods then they would serve those pagan gods and finally they would begin to bow down to those pagan gods god knew what he was doing god knows what he's doing paul talks about that in in his book of, to the corinthians don't be unequally yoked okay? That means don't marry an unbeliever. Don't be in a relationship with an unbeliever. But notice what he says here. Know for certain that the Lord your God would no longer drive out these nations. In other words, God would no longer go before the people. Driving out the nations. In front of them. Those pagan nations would also have a say in this matter. Notice what uh, the Bible says here. You see two physical dangers and a, and, a, and a painful realizations of those dangers. He said there will be a snare to you. That figuratively means there will be calamities and there will be plots made against you. There will be a trap for you. That means bait or lure. That pagan nation around the, the, the Israelites would be a bait to them. They would bait them in to serving them. They would bait them in to making mention of of their names and that's the problem when we're not wholeheartedly focused and obedient to the word of god when they throw that bait out there listen when y'all go fishing you know that you're going to throw that bait out there and what are you going to do it's going to be a bait that's going to tempt that fish to bite it it's not going to be something that they're not going to want to eat. i mean that's silly nobody's going to go fishing with a bait that the fish is not going to eat So if you're surrounded by those pagan nations, those pagan nations in the world around us is going to bait us into these things. Oh, well, that looks good. I wonder how that tastes. But there'll be a trap. They'll bait them. They'll lure them in. He also says there'll be some painful realizations if we give in to them, if we follow them, if we bow down to them. There'll be a whip on your sides. That means they'll be scourged, then they'll be flogged. Now, this was probably some physical abuse. There's probably some physical abuse, but there's also a figurative uh, uh, relationship there as well. But he also says, not only will there be whips on your sides, there'll be thorns in your eyes. Listen, that's some painful stuff. Our Lord and Savior was scourged. He felt the same things from that pagan nation that the Israelites would feel from this pagan nation. Yet yeah, the Israelites would deserve it because they weren't wholeheartedly obedient to God. But our Savior and Lord, He didn't deserve any of that. You know who deserved it? We did. We did. There would be some painful realizations if they fell for the Lures and the bait to this pagan world. One commentator says this. The ungodly influences and temptations. Never advertise themselves as dangerous or painful. It's not until the innocent Canaanite. In our lives today. Becomes the torture and snare. Tomorrow. The people would perish from the good land. That would be the results of this. You remember this good land. This was some good land. Fruit as big as basketballs. Land that was good for and fertile soil, good for crops and all those other things, and they would perish. They would perish from the land that they had just worked so hard to inherit. But that speaks to the seriousness that God takes for his word and the obedience of his children. There are serious consequences when you and I decide to mix with the pagan and culture world around us. You look at church after church after church after church who has decided, you know what? We love the world around us more than we love the Lord. Thus, we've got to remain holy. For the God that you and I claim to serve is holy. He calls those of his followers to do the same kind of holiness. But along with the charges that Joshua gives, he also gives a warning. That's clearly articulated in the final verses of this passage. Look with me at verse 14. And now I'm about to go the way of the all the earth. Joshua is about to die. He's about to be buried. He's about to be uh, to 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 end his life. And he knows it. And, you know, in your hearts and souls, all of you, he says, that not one word has failed Of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. You would think you would think that after the people had seen all that God had done, that they would be obedient to him, that they would heed the warnings that had been given. All has come to pass, he says, not one of them has failed. He specifically mentions there all good things. He goes back to the faithfulness of God. He goes back to uh, the promises of God. All the way back to the promise that God had made to Abraham. Think about this. 400 plus years of captivity. 40 plus years in the wilderness. 10 to 15 years of conquest in the land. Food and water God had provided. Protection God had provided. Victory after victory after victory God had provided for the people of Israel. God had gone before them. them. He had destroyed nation after nation after nation. There was a conquest of the land. They They had inherited the land that God had given them. Rest had been given to the land. And not only that, God continued... To promise that, listen, I will continue to go before you. But he says, make no mistake. All these good things can come to an end quickly. Look at verse 15. He says, but just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised, the Lord will be for you. So the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. The Lord giveth, the Lord can take away. Just as the Lord was faithful to give all these good things to the people of Israel, Joshua warns them, listen, God can do the very same thing. Take all the good away and bring all the evil upon you. We see this back in Leviticus. You go back to Leviticus chapter 26 and Deuteronomy chapter 28. You see the blessings for those obedient and the curses for those who were disobedient. And so the Israelites, they understood this. They knew this. This was nothing new for them. Verse 16. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, so if you're not wholeheartedly obedient to the Lord your God, Which he commanded you. And you go. And you serve other gods. And bow down to them. Then. One of those conditional statements. If then. Statements. The anger of the Lord. Will be kindled. Against you. And you shall perish quickly. From off the good land. That he has given. To you. So if you transgress. The covenant of God. If You. Are disobedient to the words of God. If you go and serve other gods. And bow down to them. If you are not a holy people. If you do not separate yourself. From the pagan world around us. Around you. And around us. Then God will become angry. And people will perish. That means they will disappear. But he says quickly. They will disappear. That means hastily. means speedily. And we've got to pause for a moment. And we've got to understand that we relate to the covenant of God differently now than they did back then. We relate based on a new and better covenant as Hebrews chapter 8 verses 6 and 7 says. This new and this better covenant is found in Jesus Christ. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter 3. The very curse the people would be judged by for their disobedience to God. The law was what the people would be judged by because they didn't follow the law. The book of the law, remember? The the Torah, the, the first five books of the Old Testament. But for us in Christ, we no longer experience the curses as the Israelites did. But that does, doesn't mean that we're not going to be corrected by God. That doesn't mean that we're not going to be disciplined by God. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12 says this. It is for discipline that you have, be, have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So our disobedience. Our not wholeheartedly being obedient to the word of God. Our, whole, our unholiness, if you will. Are giving in to this pagan world around us. God is going to discipline us. He's going to discipline his children. And we deserve that discipline. The Israelites, they failed to heed the warning of Joshua. Just two chapters over, when you begin the book of Judges, it is very obvious that the Israelites failed to heed the warnings of God. The book of Judges is a you see this pattern. The people abandon the Lord. God punishes them by raising up a foreign power to oppress them. The people cry out to God for deliverance. God sends the deliverer or the judge. It's a repeat. It's like putting your record on repeat. And ultimately, this is fulfilled in Second Kings chapter twenty four and verse and chapter twenty-five. Because God Removed the people from the land in the Babylonian exile. They were taken from the promised land to Babylon. It took years for that to happen. But God fulfilled His promise. Just like God is going to fulfill His promise, it's going to take years. We don't know when He's coming back. But I'll tell you this, He's coming back. Nobody knows when that is, but I encourage you to be ready for His Return Romans 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, Paul writes this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. You have been warned. We have been warned. The Israelites were warned and we saw what happened to them If we want to avoid the anger of God, if we want to avoid the wrath of an almighty God, we need to be obedient. We need to be a holy people set apart from the world around us. When people see a Christian, they need to say, man, that individual is different. They don't look like the world. They don't do the same things the world does. They don't say the same things the world does. Obedience produces blessings, and disobedience produces discipline. The choice is ours. The choice is ours. The Word of God tells us to be obedient. The Word of God tells us to be holy. The choice to be obedient, the choice to be holy, is not your neighbors. It's not your friends. It's not your wives. It's not your your kids. It's yours. And then when you choose to be obedient, when you choose to be holy, what happens to everybody around you? They notice. But more importantly, God notices. And God blesses. God blesses. Does that mean that there won't be pain? And does that mean there won't be suffering? Does that mean there won't be trials and persecutions and tribulations? No, that's not what that means because the Bible tells us we'll have those things as well. In fact, when you begin to become holy, when you begin to become uh, wholeheartedly obedient to God, you know what happens? The devil doesn't like that. And so he begins to pound on you a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. But you need to be encouraged and be obedient regardless. So this morning I've tried, as Joshua did, to pass the torch from God's word in order to, to each of you this morning. We've all been charged. We've all been charged to be wholeheartedly obedient. We've all been charged to be holy. To be set apart from the world around us. So I wonder this morning, are you serving the one true God? Or are you serving the God of this world? Are you serving the, the satanic system that surrounds each and every one of us? If you're here this morning and you're a non-Christian... You haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen, you are serving a world, a pagan world, the world around you. You're serving the satanic system that each and every one of us live in. But there's hope. There's hope for you. You just need to repent of your sins, cry out to God, listen there. Lord, I can't do anything about my sins. Turn from that world. That pagan world around us and turn to God. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And you will be saved. But I'll tell you this. If you serve the God of this world, you have been warned. You've been warned. If you're a Christian here this morning, I don't know. Maybe your obedience is not that wholehearted obedience. Maybe you're not as holy as you... You, you think you are or you want to be. Listen, your salvation is secure. But God demands wholehearted obedience from His children. He demands holiness from His children. And so I pray that each and every one of us who do have faith and trust in Christ, that we give God what He demands and give God what He expects and give God what He deserves. Everything that we can give Him. Everything that we can give Him. Let's pray.
0: Thanks again for listening today We hope the word preached today Would be used by God mightily As you go about your week Again, if you would like more information About our church Or would like more digital content Please feel free to check us out On the web at southsidenp.org Have a blessed day And may God grant you grace this week To grow more into the likeness of Jesus